Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law, and we're here again in another one of our weekly shows, as you're all familiar, having to deal with the new reality of not having a co-host all the time. The banter section has now become a time for me to blather all by myself, and that's just a little, little awkward. But nonetheless, we have a great show for you today. But before we get into that, I have a couple of announcements. One, I'm going to announce a new endeavor that you all should get involved with, which is we're having so many episodes about COVID stuff and so many guests coming uh, who have tangentially related material to talk about. So we're going to start another podcast you should look out for next week called the Above the Law COVID Cast, which will just be a shorter show that just is limited to COVID-related material. So keep an eye out for that, uh, and we'll have some more talk about some of the things that impacting the legal industry from the plague perspective. And I also want to thank Logical for sponsoring. Trying to cut costs, you're not alone. In today's climate, a five-figure e-discovery bill per month is steep. Don't pay that. Use Logical to reduce expense and control your discovery process. Get started today for only $250 per matter, and they'll waive migration costs from competing platforms. For more information, visit Logical.com slash LTN. That's logic with a K, C-U-L-L dot com forward slash LTN. Well, if you were with us last week when we talked to Nicole from Trellis, one of the questions that I brought up towards the end was about whether or not she's participating in any online trade shows to get the word out. And part of that was for, because with all of these trade shows canceled, we've had to resort to new ways to get in front of each other and talk about what we're working on. And so with the interest that was kicked up by that question, I thought this was an obvious time to bring on Larry Port, the CEO of Rocket Matter, who just ran a virtual trade show, basically called Rocket Aid that I was actually a part of. And so first of all, welcome to the show, Larry. Thanks, Joe. It's great to be here. So, but, well, I guess let's start with just an uh, introduction for people who are listening who don't know who you are, which I would hope folks do. But <laughs> Larry, uh, talk a little bit about yourself and Rocket Matter before we get into talking about the show. Sure. So uh, I'm Larry Port. I'm the CEO and founder of Rocket Matter, and it's a web-based practice management and time and billing platform. Um, I started it back in 2008, and so we've been in this uh, ball game for a while. And, you know, along the way, added payment processing to it. So we have a company called LexCharge. So really what we're in the business of is, is, is helping law firms become more efficient and helping them get paid. But, you know, we like to do a lot of fun stuff along the way. Yeah. Well, this is a moment. Uh, we were actually just talking before we started recording. Uh, this is a real moment for the legal tech industry because while we like to think lots of law firms have decided to get it and get with the 21st century. One of the side effects of what's going on now is that many firms that had thought 
well, I don't need that fancy technological solution, have now started to work from home and realize that they do need a much better set of tools to practice in the 21st century. So a lot of the stuff that you do, practice management, but also the stuff that a lot of the folks who went to this Rocket Age show do are really important right now. Yeah. Um, well, like an analogy that I heard that is is a pretty good one is that it's it's almost like you have water rushing through a pipe. And if there's not like a lot of volume, you're not like aware of like the defects in the pipe or whatever. But you start pushing a lot of water through that pipe. All of a sudden you start seeing defects pretty clearly. There's water spurting out everywhere. So and it, it's kind of the same way with a lot of law firms. It's like, well, they, you know, kind of could get along with, uh, you know, the old tools that they were using. And this has kind of shown that it's time to kind of get with a program. So we are seeing a lot of law firms that are looking to modernize off their old legacy systems, you know, and their old servers that limit them to, you know, their mobility or where they can practice from. We're, we're starting to see a lot of uh, an acceleration of departure from that and onto cloud platform like ours. So it's happening in legal, it's happening across industries. I mean, I just saw in the Wall Street Journal, Microsoft had this like earnings report that was boosted in part because of how many people are using their cloud platform. So, I mean, it's it's just everywhere. Yeah, and we're actually utilizing Zoom right now, which I think a lot of lawyers have come to know that that particular piece of software lately um, <laughs> because yeah. it seems to have replaced a lot. But well, let's before I I have some questions more about that, but I think they fit better into transitioning into talking about the show. So several weeks ago, when this first started, I think maybe it, it we were only about a week or so into the lockdown era, I yeah. think, when you called and proposed that you thought we should run a virtual trade show. And I said, you know, that sounds like a lot of fun. And it's something that grew out of the fact that many of the other shows that we go to around the year to bring under one roof all the folks who are working on legal technology solutions, bring lawyers who are potential clients in and just have a chance to play with what everyone's working on and learn from each other, those were being canceled, as most travel yeah. and boondoggles are. And you said, well, let's see if we can handle this virtually. And at the time you brought this up, nobody had really thought through how this would work logistically. So what was it like to manage to pull this thing off logistically? My gosh. Well, I, first of all, I mean, you were like a big help with this because you were one of the first people I reached out to. And uh, you were like, yeah, that seems to make a lot of sense. And the p other people uh, that you introduced me to at Breaking Media were like, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. So I think I talked to you early. I think I talked to you like sometime. I was supposed to go to a trade show on March 18th, and mm -hmm. that got canceled. And then another one that we were supposed to go to right after that got canceled. And, you know, I was thinking like, geez, that's a bummer for us because we get a lot of leads there. But also for all the people that like we're not leaving our houses anytime soon. And I mean, I know how like uh, much fun attorneys have at these shows and meeting each other. It seemed like, all right, well, maybe there's something that we could do to, um, you know, facilitate this and maybe we could put on a show. I mean, we have so much content. I've been doing like webinars and eBooks since like 2009. So we have all this stuff about like running better practices. So I knew that like I could probably put together a conference with just our own content. But then I started thinking, well, you know, there's all these people that I know from doing this for so long, like 
uh, Bob Ambrosi or, you know, Sharon Nelson and John Simek and Catherine Sanders Reach and like, uh, you know, uh, Jared Correa, all these like people that are very well known in legal technology. I'm like, why don't I reach out to them and see what they want to do? And then and so the the first step was it really was one of these like, let's jump and learn how to fly on the way down. We didn't know what mm-hmm. platform we were going to use. We just knew that we were going to put it on. So the first thing we did was we we set up an Eventbrite page for registration. And one thing I wanted to do was I wanted to make sure that people had skin in the game because I know historically for doing this enough time that if people register for something and it's free, you get about a 50% attendance rate. Mm-hmm. So then I wanted to charge something for it, but I didn't really feel comfortable keeping any of the money. So it seemed to make sense to do this as a fundraiser. So that's mm-hmm. where the whole idea of the fundraiser aspect came out of it. It's like, let's get people to commit to attending this thing. And we can, at the same time, raise money for people affected by COVID. So, you know, all those were kind of like the elements that like started it. And if you like, I can like tell you how we like solved all these problems as they came up in real time. Cause it was, it was pretty crazy. It was a very intense couple of weeks. We put together the whole thing in like three weeks. It, uh, it was unreal. And I mean, my involvement in it was promoting it, but I, I I wasn't involved in any of the logistical organization stuff like and that's really what I wanted to get into with you was for sure. because this was the first of these uh it may not be the last and we may have more of these uh not necessarily run by you but more of these in this industry uh, and not just legal tech there may be other legal conferences bar association gatherings and so on that need to operate in a virtual space and I thought let's have an, a moment where we can like well, basically talk to Larry about what went right and what went wrong so that if somebody out there is saying, you know, I got to put together the Nebraska State Bar Association conference and I don't know how to do that. It's like, well, well, here's a resource. Mm. Uh, so that's really what I was hoping to get yes. to. So, yeah, let's let's start going through what what happened in real time. Well, I think. OK, so I have um, before my uh, software background, I do have a film background. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I went to Northwestern Film School and I worked in the industry for a little bit. Um, so I kind of approach the problem like, what is this thing that we're putting on? I've never planned a conference before. I was on the, I was on a committee once for like a uh, CLE conference, but I've never really planned or chaired a conference before. So I had the kind of like luxury of approaching this with a blank slate. And I think if you're thinking about throwing or throwing a virtual conference, if that's even the verb, if you're going to host one, the first major thing you have to realize is that you are not just doing a conference and moving it online. The the analogy that I give is like, if you've ever been to a football game live versus a football game on TV, there are two completely different experiences. A football game, a professional football game live, you know, that, that super organized like line of scrimmage when seen from like a different angle when you're actually at the the field just looks like a total mess. Um, There's drunk people everywhere. Like there's vendors, there's like, it's a completely different experience. When you see it on TV, everything is nice and orderly. You have these two co-hosts who kind of lead you through the process. And, you know, that's kind of how I wanted to think about this is that you you can't just assume that what works in a real conference is going to work in an online conference. And especially if you're going to be doing 15 minute sessions, like that was one thing that really caught my attention. I was like, okay, we got to figure out a way to keep people's attention. There is no way that people are going to sit through two days of back-to-back 50-minute sessions. That's just, it's not even human to do that. You know, it's just, so 
it was very important for me that we explore this medium, really see what we could do with it. And I was aware that we were the first people out of the gate to do something like this, especially in the COVID era. And I wanted to make sure that we could maybe experiment and fool around and, and try things so that people could learn from it. So we did six minute sessions that were pre-recorded that we played live during the conference. There were 30 minute sessions. There were 50 minute sessions too, like the standard ones that we're used to thinking about for CLE. So um, we experimented with a variety of sessions. The, the other thing that I wanted to make sure is that we had networking lounges because let's face it, like the big thing that I think a lot of people want from these conferences are the networking lounges. So what we did is we, we wanted to have a platform that would allow us to have main content, but allow people to also go to networking lounges as well. We also wanted to have sponsors. So we wanted to have an expo hall and we wanted to have booths. So mm -hmm. what we had to then do is survey a variety of like online conference platforms, which was no easy task because um, a lot of these platforms were completely swamped with inquiries because of what was happening with coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So we looked at like maybe six of them. And I thought, I really did think about two weeks before the conference is that we were going to use something called Hopin. Uh, we heard a lot of good things about it. But when we explored the platform, we kept on coming into, you know, dead ends that Hopin couldn't provide that we wanted to be able to to provide. I can't think of examples off the top of my head, but we, we would come up with all these limitations. And we also looked at something called runtheworld.today, and we looked at about five or six other platforms. But really what was important to us is that people were able to use the platform and not be surprised by the platform. So we ended up, and I think this is a very important principle, using tools that people were familiar with. So both mm -hmm. the speakers and the attendees use Zoom. So we decided to have Zoom as the primary vehicle for the actual content. Now, that meant, though, that we had to have like a different platform for the networking lounges and, you know, the agenda. So we built a WordPress website. And I mean, this is one of those things that we're able to do because, you know, we're web people and we're used to it. So we built a WordPress website pretty quickly that had the agenda on it. It had networking lounges and the networking lounges were really just video conferencing links that were powered by something called Jitsi, which is an open source video conferencing tool, which I thought was pretty cool because it gave people the ability to test something else out that was other than Zoom. We built the expo halls and um, the expo halls had little pages on them for each of the sponsors. And you could go to the sponsor, see what offer they had. It had a little video on it. You know, you could video chat with them using Uber Conference. Uber Conference run, is run by Dialpad. They were one of our sponsors. And so you had this website that had a lot of the ancillary activity around the conference, and then you had the Zoom calls. So then it became, well, how do we make sure that this is a cohesive experience? How do we make sure that people don't get lost? And that's where the role of some technology came in and the co-presenters came in. So I emceed the whole conference, and I was able to direct people back to the website. We had the speakers go into the networking lounges after the talks. We tried to funnel people towards the expo hall. We also, on the website, had links at the top of the page, like kind of a broadcasting radio icon for the live session, so you could always click and join a session. Um, mm -hmm. The If you went to the agenda page, there were big orange buttons, say, join session next to whichever one was live. So we really kind of applied some of our user interface skills that we know from running Rocket Matter to make sure that the visitors to the conference were oriented so that they could easily find the sessions that were in progress. They could easily find um, the expo hall and the networking lounges and, and really 
um, experiment and, and see the site. And it ended up working because um, I know that like uh, some of the people that we had on the conference were not the most tech savvy people, but they were able to participate and steer their way around. I mean, I could go on and on. We, there, were, there were some things that really worked very, very well. Like um, we used a tool called Kahoot. Uh, Joe, have you ever done a Kahoot or participated in one ever? No. I don't know if no. This so, is all brand new. All right. So Kahoot is awesome. And I would highly encourage people to use this, especially in like an online virtual CLE setting. So all it is is like this like online game show that everybody gets to participate in. And it's like really funny and they have music and a little podium. And so but what, what's interesting about it is that you do your presentation. So like I did this with Dave Maxfield when we did something on running a lean law firm. And like, let's say that we were talking about cycle time. So cycle time is the amount of time it takes from the time you start a case to the time you end a case. So then we ran a Kahoot and we got everybody to participate. And the question is, what is cycle time? A, B, C, or D? We had presented what cycle time was three minutes prior. And like (laughs) 40% of the people got it wrong. So, you know, I, I think one of the major takeaways is that unless you make this thing really interactive, like people are gonna just put it on as background music and like, you know, vacuum the house. Yeah. Well, there's also something to be said for, I yeah, the flip side of that is I had a conversation in one of the networking rooms, uh, the one titled the Hotel Bar. Uh, I had a conversation you there. That one. one. You were always I, in I mean, that one. Well, that seemed like that seemed like the most obvious one for me to headquarter myself in. Anyway, I <laughs> so I had a conversation in there where somebody said that they were trying to get practitioners to join, and that one of the common refrains of practitioners on why they couldn't do it was, "Oh, you know." I don't have two days like, to commit. And he said, well, but that's the the value. You know, you can just get it. And, you know, if you can't pay attention to one session, you know, you don't pay attention to that one. But the next one you're there for. And you can just jump in and out from, and it's for the cost. It's not like flying to some place where you feel like you have to go to every session because you've dumped so much money into it. it with this, was modestly priced so if you really are only interested in like six or seven panels, go ahead and just pay attention to those six or seven. Uh, so the flip side of your people might not have paid attention to everything is that it might have been used by some of us as a way to coax in folks who were afraid that they couldn't couldn't even bother to be involved in something that's two whole days. Because yes. it's not two whole days. It's a bunch of small events throughout two days. Well, um, yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. And I think um, I think if I were going to do it again, I would try and maybe make that point a little bit more salient because I kind of assume that people might pop in and out of sessions. Like we had one on running like Max in your law firm and we had Victor mm-hmm. Medina and Mark Metzger do it, who always do an amazing job. But clearly that's not for everyone. If you are like not thinking about running a Mac, there's no reason you should be attending this conference. So I, th- I and I, Put it around lunch that people wanted to kind of like, I mean, lunch is relative, right? Because it's time zones. But, you know, I I put that there so people could pop in, pop out. But people were like, why do I need to be in the session? So I think, you know, (laughs) presenting optionality is an important thing. But I will say, though, that there is something about like forcing people to take part in quizzes when they're doing online Mm-hmm. classes is very important because we've started to use Kahoot internally for our teams. And so we we do two podcasts. I do the Lean Law Firm podcast and I do the 10 Minute Law Firm podcast. And uh, so during the meeting, I was talking about these two podcasts and then we did a Kahoot. And we said, how many podcasts do we do? 
one, <laughs> two, three, or four. And like half the people got it wrong. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, and so I, I think it's like, um, I don't know. I, I think it's very good. It, it, it's more fun. It's more interactive. I, I do think, um, and I wrote a whole blog piece on like what works and what doesn't. I think having an MC is important. So uh, I was making a football analogy before, but this one might be a little bit more appropriate. It's kind of like, uh, imagine the Olympics. So you have this like big sprawling event that's like impossible to get your head around. But you have Bob Costas sitting there in the chair kind of directing your attention to this and that and linking all the events together. I think you need that kind of person in the, you know, as like kind of an MC. And ideally, you know, the MC is like, you know, like somebody like you or me who can be conversational can like, you know, say funny things when we, well, we're not always very funny, but you know, I right. mean, occasionally relaxed and conversational not like okay now we're gonna go here and do this i think it's gotta be it's gotta be lively so yeah um but having that kind of like link person is is pretty critical i think in these yeah so are you in obviously you're probably not doing a a giant trade show again but are you taking some of the lessons from this and utilizing them in other venues well like even if it's small pitch meetings or whatever it is, are you using some of these lessons of this platform works, this platform doesn't in your day-to-day business now? Yeah, um, because not everything was uh, 100%. Like, not everything, like, worked the way we thought. We experimented with a platform called Toasty. Um, Mm -hmm. And not to throw Toasty under the bus, but it just really did not work. But the idea of the platform is pretty awesome. And so Mm -hmm. we're taking that and running with it. So the idea of Toasty is that everybody's in a main main room and then you kind of have some icebreaking questions and then people are split up into subgroups. And then in the subgroups, they have conversational items that they talk about. And then when everybody is reunited in the main session, then there can be discussion around that. Mm-hmm. So the platform was very difficult to get to work, couldn't make it work. But we started experimenting with Zoom breakout rooms and we did this on day two at Rocket Aid. Um, and mm-hmm. it worked really well. Uh, so Zoom has this feature called Breakout Rooms where you can, it's actually a, an amazing user interface. You you can specify how many, how large these rooms are. Like, can they have three, four, five people in them? And so what we did was uh, broke people out into like four or five person rooms. And, and the thing was, what was your biggest takeaway from Rocket Aid? And then everybody resumed and joined the conference again. And we discussed. So I've been doing this with my staff. So in weird ways, it's almost like we're having like better all team meetings now than we did when we were all here in person. <laughs> because um, not only do we do a Kahoot and make it fun, but we also are doing these breakout rooms where people are like randomly assigned. So you have like an engineer talking to somebody from marketing or, or whatever. And, um, and, huh. and they're like, and we have them talking about like, oh, this, that. So these breakout rooms are like really valuable tools, I think, that the Zoom platform has uh, that I would encourage people to do. Um, also, one thing that we uh, played around with uh, that I thought was to, to great effect is that I, I wanted to start the conference really strong because I put all this work into it. I didn't want to just like turn on the webcam and, and crank. So when people were waiting to join the conference, because one thing that you know if you put on webinars is people show up like 10 minutes early. Some people show up three minutes late. So like, when do you really start the webinar is always a question. So what we did was I, I got clips on YouTube that just make people happy. 
So I got like We Are the World. Uh, I got Live Aid. So I got stuff that was like kind of, you know, alluded <laughs> to like big charity yeah. functions and stuff like that. Um, and so I would play these video clips uh, before the uh, conference began, like starting 15 minutes before. And so you joined the conference and immediately you were looking at something that like kind of put you in a good mood. And then, you know, we started the conference with the Star Wars crawl, playing off the Rocket Aid theme. And <laughs> You know, the next day we did like the disco scene from Airplane and we did, um, you know, the the Johnny B. Good scene from Back to the Future. So like, you know, it's kind of you got to think about it. Like, what can we do to kind of like jazz people up before it gets started? And I think anytime I just do a regular hour long webinar from now on, I'm going to do that because it, it just sets the right tone. Yeah, no, that's. That's interesting. And I want to go back to the part where you were talking about the breakout rooms and having team meetings that are better than the in-person team meetings. All The application I could think of of that is I remember as a young attorney sitting in the all-group meeting uh, for the big firm. You know, it's like 40 people all sitting there talking about what they're working on. And it was always difficult to follow what was happening because it was just too big. And I think uh, like randomly assigning smaller groups of check-in, you know, put a partner in each one to just make sure everybody's on the same page and feeling all right. Like that could be really interesting. And cross-practice area too. Uh, yeah, that's... I think it's, yeah, because what ends up happening is, is that if you just like, even if you do say, okay, split up into groups on your own, the engineers, right. like in my case, the engineers all sit together, the support people all sit together. Like, I like it when it's cross-functional and you have these like different personality types. You know, I'm thinking back, there's a couple other things that I, I probably should point out, especially for like the people planning the like Nebraska State Bar Association virtual conference or what have you, Right. Not that we know that they're doing anything. I'm just like that was just pulled completely I out know. of thin air. I'm just was, think, imagining some poor Nebraska lawyer right now is going. Wait a minute, am I missing the conference? Wait a second. Exactly. <laughs> I watched. Uh, I watched like uh, Election last night, which was directed by Alexander Payne, and like yep. all his movies take place in Nebraska. So like, yeah. I mean, if we want, we could just make the second half of this podcast about Nebraska. <laughs> um, so uh, the one thing I thought was like we had incredible speakers, and that's like a major deal. So, mm. you know, you can easily have like uninteresting speakers. Um, but I, I think it's like number one is that we're very blessed to have in, in the fact that it was a fundraiser, you know, everybody was happy to participate because they were doing their their thing. But I mean, we had people up and down, left and right. If you if you know, you can email me Larry at rocketmatter.com and I can send you the speaker list. But you know, we had all the people that you would see at a major legal technology conference speaking. Um yeah. the other thing is also is like in order, I think it's important to finally say this, and, and maybe I'm jaded because I'm a vendor. I think <laughs> a lot of legal conferences, especially like ABA Tech Show, historically has not been welcoming to vendors speaking. I know that's changed in recent years, but for a long time there was a prohibition against exhibitors speaking. And, you know, think about like if you want to have a session on understanding cloud software. Uh, you could have somebody who's done a bit of research on it, or you could have someone like me who's like built with his own hands uh, cloud right. architecture. So there is a motivation for having vendors speak. And I think in a virtual conference, the problem is, is that there are no pens and stuffed animals to hand out in the expo hall. All mm -hmm. there is, is like maybe an offer. So people are not going to really visit that booth. There's no bar there. There's no candy. There's no pens. So having the sponsors speak I think is important and having the speakers then be able to go into a networking lounge that just gives it like if you're trying to entice sponsors to participate in a virtual conference, 
that is going to go a long way to the bar associations that are considering things like this. You don't want people shilling from the podium. I mean, that's right. inexcusable no matter what. But I think in order to give people representation, put them on panels or do what you need to do to, to get them in front of your audience. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always been a fine line, but I've I've said this for the last couple of years that the weird ways in which conferences are freaked out about giving a platform to the vendors is problematic because at a certain point, there's some level of knowledge that only the vendors can really adequately explain. And we we kind of handicap ourselves as far as how we run these conferences when we don't, when we make blanket bars against vendors speaking from the podium. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, and also I don't know that it necessarily happens in other industries. Like when I talk to friends that are in like advertising or this or that, they they tend to be like, huh, huh, that's interesting. Like they, th that's something that they're not that familiar with is that concept. So, uh, but yeah, we had the uh, we had Alvin. Um, I'm going to butcher his last name, so I'm not even going to try to say it. But um, you know, the CTO basically from Net Documents, he gave mm -hmm. a talk on cybersecurity, and who better yeah, to talk about cybersecurity? Yeah. You know. And then the guys from Dialpad talked all about like, you know, modern telephony products. Uh, so you get value out of it. I mean, yeah. uh, I think so, at least from my perspective. Go on. Well, the other thing I would say is that, like, I did see another blog post that, um, so there's a business uh, conference that I go to called Business of Software, and they had a virtual conference by accident, I think. It wasn't like <laughs> because of COVID, like they just did it for some reason before, and they had a bunch of things that they wrote up. And they are big believers in shorter conferences. I mean, we did, uh, what did we go from? I think we went from like 10 in the morning to 4 p.m. Like, yeah. I think a lot of people are looking at, you know, shorter conferences, shorter sessions. You see a lot of articles about people getting burnout from Zoom. So, I mean, I think that needs to be considered as well. I, I, would, I would look at taking more breaks in the next conference that I did than, than the current one we just did. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've been going on and we could probably go on even longer, but we should probably wrap up for folks. But I think this was a super valuable download and we kind of a debriefing actually for both of us because we haven't really yeah. talked a ton about what happened, even though we both were there, how it played out and how things went. But it was a great conference and it was something we all needed to do, uh, both because we needed to do it for its successes and also to work out how we're going to function as a group of legal people who like to get together for the future. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I, without a question, we'll do this again. But yeah. I mean, Joe, the one thing I would say is that if um, I've had people reach out to me from different bar associations, and if people do want to talk to me about my experience, we have a blog post on uh, the Rocket Matter blog about it. And also they can email me, Larry, at rocketmatter.com, because it was, it was a really worthwhile and satisfying thing to do. And I'd be happy to share uh, whatever lessons... I have. No, that's great. Thank you for joining us today. And thank all of you for listening today. You should be subscribed to the podcast. You should give it reviews, not just the little stars. You should write something. You should be reading Above the Law, following me on Twitter at Joseph Patrice. You should be listening to the other shows of the Legal Talk Network. You should listen to the Jabot that Catherine Rubino hosts. You should also listen to our new above the law COVID cast coming next week uh, because we'll have some more content that 
like this uh, kind of touches upon stuff that the legal profession needs to know about dealing with coronavirus outbreak. And thanks to Logical for sponsoring the show. And with that, we'll talk to you soon. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. 